C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Roskin and I'm a learning and technology coach in St. Brain from Longmont, Colorado. And I'm here with Violet Christensen, and I am also a learning and technology coach in St. Brain Valley School District. Often coaching is an isolating job, and you feel like you're on your own island, not Hawaii. We're fortunate enough that we have an elementary and secondary coaches team that we often get to practice our coaching with, but not everyone has that opportunity. We form this podcast in order to help you get off your island, or maybe just not feel so alone. Courtney and I really want to provide a podcast where we can connect coaches' cognition and be able to bring the best ideas to the forefront of our minds. We can learn new strategies to elevate and enhance our practices, and we can also build our personal learning network of coaches. Now that you have a clear reason why you're here and listening, let's get to the topic of today. Today's topic of discussion is to give you strategies on how to set yourself up for success in coaching. Yeah, we know firsthand that coaching is not always a clear path, and there are often many detours along the way. You might just need a little support. We are here to help provide you with guideposts as you jump into this year of coaching. Violet, in reflecting on last year, what's the strategy that you used to really help support yourself and get you through those first coaching days? Wow. Well, last year was my first year of coaching, so this is really present in my mind. For me, the biggest thing is to make sure that I'm building rapport and relationships with my teachers first and foremost, and that they're always feeling supported. I want to meet my teachers where they're at. Can you tell me a little more about how you deepen those relationships? Absolutely. For me, the biggest thing is that whenever I'm with a teacher or educator, I want to make sure that I'm present and in the moment with them. I really want to make sure to honor that time and space that we have together in order to make the most of our coaching sessions. The other thing that I do intentionally is make sure that I'm visible within my buildings. I want my teachers to see that I'm here to support them in any capacity I have. And if I am not able to help them, that I will be there to connect them with other professionals who can help to meet their needs. Mostly, I always want them to elevate their practices in a way that they are comfortable with. Violet, you're making sure you're visible and that you're there for your teachers, but you're not pushing them too far outside their comfort zone. Exactly. I really feel like you have to get to know each and every teacher, try to understand their preferences, and also acknowledge their teaching style. Once you've done that, you're really able to flex as a coach to meet their needs. That's valuable advice, Violet, for getting coaches started. Now let's talk to Casey Luker, a learning and technology coach from St. Vrain. She brings a fresh perspective and really personalized approach to her coaching. Hey, Casey, how are you today? Good, how are you doing? Good, we're so lucky to have you here and be able to tap into your expertise. I'm Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Hey, will you tell us a little bit about why you became a coach and what makes it so motivating for you? Yeah, um, so really when this position was posted, you know, four years ago um, as the learning tech coach, there were kind of two different avenues that really drew me in. Um, the first uh, was really the tech piece. As an English language arts teacher at Skyline, um, I was really drawn to in embedding tech in all different types of ways, um, especially to kind of meet my students where they were at. And so I was always going to like the the Thai conference and and ISTE and um, things like that and geeking out and following different people's podcasts and um, their websites and blogs and just figuring out. And I was always open to trying new things in my class. 
Um, so the tech piece really drew me in. And then the other part with the learning piece, I had an amazing um, instructional coach my first year in the district because I was um, only had two years, and that was Patty Taylor. And she was amazing at just showing me kind of making my thinking more visible so when we would meet and as a new teacher in the district she did such a beautiful job of allowing me to see where my thinking was and to sometimes put um, academic language to the things that I was thinking which allowed me to reflect just so much more deeply and so kind of being able to see a position that could blend those two worlds uh, just really drew me in and was the main reason why I applied. That's so powerful that your relationship with your coach and your building propelled you to take the risk and apply for this job. It's funny because actually my first coach was very pivotal in my start as well. So it's fun to see how that kind of helps you launch into new avenues in your career. Totally. And just how powerful sometimes just the relationships we have in our buildings, outside our buildings, just how powerful they really are. Um, And it's just a good reminder. Absolutely. And as you just spoke to how relationships are really powerful, what's your go-to for building relationships with teachers? Yeah, so I think at the the start of the school year, really, and even into the summer, I think um, trying to figure out ways in which I can blend the interests and the passions of the teachers. Um, So for example, kind of listening to what are the PSTs and the book studies that teachers are doing in the buildings. Um, Things like the the freshman seminar or an eighth grade cohort or um, looking at blended collaborative. Like I really try to Um, find things that other teachers are passionate about and then get myself involved as much as I can or check in with teachers about kind of how those things are going if I can't be involved. And a lot of times then I can use some of the coaching, um, like the paraphrasing and the questioning and things like that in allowing them to reflect on how the PSTs are going or how their groups are going. Um, And that just kind of opens up new avenues in other ways as well. So you're really meeting your teachers where they are and really tapping into their interests in order to deepen your coaching sessions with them. Absolutely, yes. Oh, that's hugely powerful. I kind of heard a touch of this in your last answer, but how has your coaching or coaching in general impacted the teachers you work with or the culture of your schools? Mm -hmm. So I think the progression of kind of how my position has changed over the years has, um, when when I reflect on this in particular, like I see kind of my first year, I was really just at Skyline. And then the next year it was the middle schools. And then it was like the years following, it was more kind of district PD and looking at the blended collaborative. And so I kind of saw myself kind of spreading out a little bit more. Um, But really like that first year, it was really about kind of taking on that personality of the coach, shifting kind of my role, especially because I was in the same school from English language arts teacher to now a coach. And so it was a great opportunity to kind of look at my own mindset and the way in which I look at like learning and technology and um, just kind of how I support teachers and what my position in the school is. Um, And so really, I think that kind of gradual process was really powerful and also allowing my colleagues to see my um, position shift as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot more of like leading school you know, groups and school-wide PD, I think really has allowed me more avenues in. And then I think also just having that background with the English language arts, because reading and writing just has so much um, application in all different subject areas, has also, um, people will reach out kind of like, hey, like I want to do this writing thing, and I know that you have this English background. So really it's opened up 
different avenues for people to kind of reach out and access um, any of my coaching because, you know, they know that I, I love tech and I've done tech and that I have the English and um, that I kind of help facilitate groups as well as the full staff. And so, um, yeah, it's just given people different avenues in which to reach out. Um, I think for the culture as a, as a whole, especially in Skyline where I've been the longest, um, really trying to support that culture of learning. So really looking at the idea that like, let's take risks, let's take, let's, you know, take a chance on trying a new um, blended practice in our classroom. Um, and I'm here and I can help support you whether I'm in the actual physical classroom or we're planning together or you want to reflect afterwards, um, I think has made kind of a safety net, the, the, you know, the low stakes islands of like being able to take a risk without it like totally blowing up in your face. And so I think my ability to kind of be that safety net is um, I think a little bit um, empowering for teachers to kind of see that they can take those risks and try new things. And typically the reflection afterwards is like, that went way better than I thought it was going to (laughs) go. So um, I think that that's pretty cool to hear about. And when it doesn't go great, like just, okay, so what could be some things then? Like, what are some hunches about why it didn't go the way that we wanted it to go? Um, And just kind of opening up that reflection piece as well and then moving forward with planning. I really love hearing your model of how you've evolved as a coach and how you really are such a multifaceted individual that you're tapping into all of these different interests within your schools and finding those as avenues to get into people's classrooms or tap into teachers who may have been more reluctant at start and just being able to build capacity. And I loved hearing how you didn't have that identity as a coach immediately. Mm-hmm. That was an evolution. And I think as new coaches, we, do, we feel like we should be a coach mm-hmm. right now and we should have all of these tools in our tool belt. But really being able to hear from a very experienced and well-versed coach here that you really had to build that and help your staff to see that change in you over time. Yeah, and I don't know if I would really call myself a well-versed coach, <laughs> but I would say when I first started in particular, I had no coaching training. Like mm-hmm. it was really like, I was just very interested and so I was able like I was super supported with taking I remember my in the interview one of my questions was so what kind of preparation or training is there for becoming a coach like are there a list of books I can read over the summer and so I really like wanted I was hungry to learn kind of the different tools that I could access but um, yeah it was really um, a lot of learning on my feet and kind of in my own mind making that shift because it is it's there's so many similarities to facilitating a classroom um, as like and also looking at as like as a coach Um, but yeah it was it was a big it was a big shift in just kind of things that I wanted to jump in and kind of consult on immediately like I was like let's take a deep breath let's paraphrase maybe like there were just a couple of things that I had to like practice really hard to make that shift and practice that shift in my behaviors to match my mindset. You have to give yourself credit because you are an amazing coach. And um, I know it's taken a lot of work as you reference the reading of books and your cognitive coaching practice. What is some advice you'd give to a coach who's just starting out in their first year of coaching? So, I, and this is a great lead-in I, because I feel like kind of what I was saying at the end of the last one was making that shift for um, moving from a classroom teacher to now trying to really like elevate teachers where they're at because you know they are extremely hardworking and they are like just the workload and just the cognitive load that that it's happening um I really valued when I was in the classroom having like even just a student teacher to just like turn to and just say like huh 
why is this happening right now? Or what, what, I didn't have the what are your hunches about, but a lot of times (laughs) it was a lot of like, huh, this is interesting. Or like, wow, this is really cool. Like, how can we make this happen more? Um, And so I really feel like the number one thing was just the power of listening. Um, Being Mm -hmm. able to just stop, because I like to talk a lot, and I like to make connections with people. Like, oh my God, that reminds me of this. (laughs) Making that connection, that was such a... So I remember when I first started learning about coaching and the set-asides, the number one thing was like, not to say like, oh, me too, because I just always wanted to make that connection. Like, oh, I traveled there, or I've done that, or that reminds me of this. Like, really just listening. And instead of making that connection to say like, yeah, that same thing, I have that shared experience, was to use the paraphrase. And so I felt like, um, initially I was like, gosh, I don't know if I'm building the relationships that I am, but people began to respond with like, gosh, I just love coming here because you listen. Um, and so I would say that would be the number one thing that you can start just right off the bat is just being there to listen and then when, and to show people that you're listening is that, that powerful paraphrase, um, because then they're like, yes, uh huh. Yeah. And then then there's that connection that's not based on a shared experience, but on the fact that, like, I'm here for you right now. Awesome. That's a great first step for coaches, and anyone could practice listening and Mm -hmm. paraphrasing. That's something you don't need to go through the training to really hone your craft on. And I would say that I feel like so much of the coaching has made me realize that I wasn't listening. There were a lot of times that I would ask questions like, hey, how's it going? Oh, cool, yeah, bye. And I'm already halfway down the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it made me realize that I, it, it just, it, like almost that mindfulness of just like being present. Um, and it's helped me in so many other facets of my life, even with parenting, like just being present. Um, and the best way to show that I'm present with someone is listening. Absolutely. Well, and it's powerful just that when you paraphrase, I'm hearing you say that mm. you really can deepen people's thoughts. So instead of going the autobiographical listening of, oh, me too, here's yep. where I'm at, when you're paraphrasing, it really opens up their mm-hmm. thought to go deeper and yes. be more reflective. Oh, 100%. And I had such a problem with listening to respond, and mm-hmm. I realized that that autobiographical piece was like I was just so eager. And I was always the kid who like had my hand up in the air and the teacher clearly looked right <laughs> past me because I always had my hand up here in the air. So she, like, I just feel like it was just such a great, it, it's been a hard practice because there's still times that I'm like, oh, I totally went autobiographical there and mm-hmm. I probably could, could have listened better. But, um, but yeah, it is, it's just such a, like, it makes me listen to actually understand opposed to listen to respond. So well, I think we all are definitely guilty of autobiographical mm. listening at times, totally. but being able to set that aside and be more mindful of it is really yeah, powerful. Totally. As you're reflecting back on your coaching, tell me, since you're a couple years out from the classroom, how do you keep and stay current with best teaching practices and how do you stay connected to the teacher's world? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I did mention the reading, like, and just especially if in any of the buildings there's a PST and they're all reading a book. Um, I Whether I can join the PST or I just grab the book, I, I love to read. Um, and so reading is a big one. Podcasts would be another one. I, I feel like I obviously listen to Rainwaves and then um, Hidden Brain and TED Radio Hour. Both of those, I feel like, have so many applications in the classroom. So a lot of times when teachers are talking about a topic that they're doing in their classroom, I'll be like, oh my gosh, there was just this podcast on TED Radio Hour that was about this and we could pull a 10-minute segment. And then it really can open up a conversation about like what they're doing in their classroom and, oh, that would be great. 
Um, I would say the other thing too is just being a part of the blended collaborative because I get to work with so many teachers, K-12. Um, I get the opportunity to just hear these stories about um, different classrooms, cultures that are being built and different activities that are happening. Um, and then there's definitely a few blogs that I follow that um, just kind of opened my eyes. Like I said, I was one of those teachers that was I didn't have a lot of fear with trying new things in my classroom. Like I would just be like, oh my gosh, yes, tomorrow's lesson, throwing it out. I'm going to be trying this like fishbowl discussion, you know, and I'm going to, like I would, I would totally do that. So um, I think just being a, a voracious reader is a big part of it. And then um, just keeping up like relationships and talking to new people about what they're doing in their classroom um, and brainstorming and really being collaborative about um, the classroom, I think is really powerful in keeping me current because then I can learn so much from the teachers themselves, especially with new curriculum, um, new standards, uh, all of the stuff that they're kind of exploring and getting more in depth with too in their content and grade levels. Like I feel like I learned so much from the teachers too about what's happening in the classroom and kind of, um, yeah, trying to stay current in that way too. And I think a common misconception with coaches is that we're removed from the classroom, mm -hmm. but we spend so much of our time going in and co-teaching and visiting other teachers' okay. classrooms that I find I'm getting so many more ideas than I did just teaching in my bubble. So totally. it's such a nice thing to be able to bring to teachers all the different perspectives of things yeah. you're seeing working in classrooms or how to tweak a lesson and yeah. make it really impactful. I would say, totally. too, that it, it, I the, the beauty of our job is that um, I remember as a classroom teacher, just like that kind of, it, not panic, but like kind of panic because you have, like I would think about my sophomore classroom and I would have kids, like I know the standards and I know what expectations are, but then I also have students that are reading at a third grade reading level or a fourth grade reading level. And so how am I pushing all of my students or am I, am I pushing all of my students? And like kind of that panic that sets in that doesn't always allow me to think like in the most creative way that I could, mm -hmm. um, which helped when I was able to collaborate or had a common plan. And, um, and, and But I feel like the beauty of our job is that sometimes that panic isn't necessarily right on our shoulders. So when we sit down with a, a teacher and they're panicked and they're thinking, how do I meet the needs of somebody at this level versus what my expectations and standards are? we can work collaboratively on like how that actually can happen and so really it is like there's just like that blend of you know you know your students and you know your standards and i can actually bring in things that i'm seeing in other classes um without that panic because i'm not yeah. in that panicked brain right now and so mm -hmm. and that helps them stop you know being so panicked as well and so it's really that collaboration and i think that that is the most that's the most powerful piece of our, our job is that we get to to keep keep that up as well too. When you're really partnering with that teacher and so because yeah. you're able to have that low um, stress factor you're able to partner with them and help them to bring down their level to have yes. more clarity of thinking as well right? Totally 100%. Casey you've given us so much insight into your job and I can hear the passion in your voice as you talk about your relationship Thanks. with teachers. We're gonna jump into some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So think in 30 seconds or less. Tell okay. me what is your tagline or what would be your bumper sticker for coaching? Um, I would say always uh, presume those positive intentions like that. Just it's we're all doing the best that we can with the knowledge and the, the, the resources that we have right now. Like that is 
the, the teacher coming to us, us as a coach, the admin, all the different levels and layers of the teaching profession. Like we are all doing um, the best that we know for the kids that we are working with. Um, and that's that just always operate from that, that perspective. I love that. Presume positive intent. We can put yep. that right on the bumper sticker. <laughs> totally. Get it going today, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <Life>. Exactly. <laughs> and a good reminder for all of us every day. Yeah, 100%. Because we need that. Yes. Okay, so colors. last daunting question for you, my okay. friend, is what is your secret coaching weapon? What is your go-to? Um, I don't know if it's really a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I would say um, questions, like the levels of questions and the level of questioning. I It was something that I taught um, my students. Um, it was like one of those like first few weeks of class, like what are the levels of questioning? How do we ask a good question? And when I was in my first year's teaching, it was always like, I want you to describe what my, my questions are because I always wanted to know what levels of questioning I was asking. And so I think that that's the same thing, like just constantly reflecting on the questions we're asking. Um, and that's kind of my weapon is that I constantly go back and think about like the questions that I asked and what were the levels of them? What was I targeting? Were they the different like states of mind or kind of reflecting on my questions in particular? Like I am just, that's kind of my myself weapon I guess I don't that sounds weird but like <laughs> what I constantly reflect on is my my questions and their levels and what they're getting at well you're clearly mm-hmm. such an insightful coach and so yeah. passionate about what you do <laughs> thank you for coming and joining us today yes. thank thank you. Thank I you. loved it thank you for having me thank you for listening to our first episode of C3 connecting coaches cognition coaching with Courtney and Christensen stay tuned for more episodes and don't forget follow us on Twitter at C3 coaches C3, connecting coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?